Good morning, guys. I am Alicia, and I'm the Youth Ministry Director here, and this is Tim. He's one of our students going into grade 12, right? Yep. Yeah, so he's going to be up here to do three-ish things with me. I hear you guys really liked it when we had the youth up here last time, and so I figured I'd bring another youth up with me. Uh, Tim, do you know what's in six and a half weeks? No. You're not going to like this. Okay. School. No. <laughs> I know. But with school, uh, we have something that, uh, it's just one, something I really love that we do each year. It's called Jumpstart. And it's an opportunity for us as a church to be for Cowichan. And so we do this by getting backpacks and school supplies. And this year we are putting together backpacks um, for elementary and high school, and a backpack is about $22.50, and this year we want to take things a step further by being not only for, but with um, them, and so we will have, when the families come to pick up the backpacks, we're going to do like hot dogs and food, and we'll sit down and have that conversation, so that's that with, building the relationship with them. Um, but we, if you noticed as you walked in, there's this big, beautiful poster that Alana put together. And yeah, there we go. We are trying to get 300 backpacks. And we are asking you if you would like to like sponsor a backpack. If you would buy one or two or three, or as you can see already, we have 50, right? 50 backpacks. This chart switches it a little bit on me. Um, so our goal is to get 300 backpacks. And you can do this by e-transferring the funds and indicate that it's for Jumpstart. Or on the church app, you just select Jumpstart for those funds. So that's $22.50. Pretty sure y'all can buy at least one backpack, right? All right, the reason I have Tim up here, Tim, you've been doing something this summer. Can you tell us what? Um, I've been doing on-site athletics, which is like a sports camp for kids grade five to seven. Yeah. And it's sports camp. So what do you do in the day? Well, we play sports with the kids. Um, we have a, like a 30-minute like Bible talk chapel thing, um, which is cool. Me and the other counselor, Cohen, we run that. And it's a pretty cool experience. Um, and yeah, we just have a bunch of different kids come out, all different skill levels at sports, and we teach them what we know. So like last week, where were you? I was in Surrey with 50 kids. Yeah, yeah it was a really cool experience. Um, he stayed with the youth pastor, and he was super cool, and he tried to help us, like, um, help us with the kids and like how to speak better and it was a really good experience. That's cool. So the reason I brought Tim up for that, we are also partnering with Onside and we have a sports camp, as you can see up there, happening August 15th to the 19th from nine to three and it's geared for grades five to seven. However, if like there's a younger sibling or older sibling, I'm sure we can work something out. Um, and it's $135 for the week, but please don't let that be um, an obstacle. It's a great way to invite friends, um, your neighbors, being for your for Couch and Valley, with Couch and Valley. Um, and so I encourage you guys to register, or if you know somebody, please register. So you go to the website there, and if you have the email, it will also be there. And then our last thing is financial update. Um, I was chatting. We, are, we also have cards on the information site. There you go, he's got spot it. There. You can grab those, and they'll have like a yeah, website and stuff where you can go sign up. 
Good thing I brought you up here, hey? Yeah. Yeah. yeah glad. What would you do without me? I know. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, all right, last, financial update. So I was having a conversation with somebody who's been recently coming to our church, and they said they love that we do this. This is something that they, they, they haven't been to a church that has been so open with this, and I, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I do like this as well. And so we, did a, we sent out our update um, in the Friday email, and if you didn't get that, you can go online to the website, scroll to the sign up for the email updates. But our fiscal year ends here on the 31st, so we just want to keep you guys informed and upfront and open about what we're doing. And that is it. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Tim, you can stand here and pray with me if you'd like. That'd be awesome. Lord, I just, um, I thank you. I thank you that we can serve you here in the Couch and Valley. Um, we, it is just such a blessing. And Lord, I pray for all the tithes and offerings that will come in, that we will just um, be responsible and generous in how we serve you in this way. I, I thank you that you are with us here. In your name, amen. Tim, I think the better question is, what would your parents do without you, right? Their grocery bill would probably be much less. <laughs> well, um, this morning, I have, we have another, I can't call him a guest, because the guy's been here the longest, if anybody. Not quite. But Henry, I'm going to invite Henry up, and uh, we're going to do some chatting with Henry, finding out uh, what he's been up to, and then, uh, then I'm going to end like I did with Emily, and I've got five questions for you, Henry. And he hasn't given me any hints. Nope. <laughs> good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. So if you don't know Henry, this is Henry Winkler. Sorry. The <laughs> fun. I, I, every time I think of you... Sorry. I wish I looked a little more like him. Yeah? Yeah. I wish I had hair like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is going well, isn't it? It's going well, yes. I'm glad that I, I'm glad you're, I'm your friend, Henry. Uh, we are friends. We, we definitely are. have become good friends. Yes. And I actually miss Henry being, uh, being here. Yeah. But uh, what Henry and I committed to is we, we, we do lunch together. Quite regularly. Um, and just to be able to catch up and encourage each other. And so, Henry, you have uh, transitioned into the Basket Society, and I thought uh, for some, they may, everybody here may know what that is, but I thought it'd be good to either refresh us or let us know what is the Basket Society. So the Couch and Valley Basket Society was started in 1988 by a group of churches in the Valley and other supporters. In that time, there was the need for emergency food, is what they thought, emergency food. And, and that happened, you know, kind of across the country in the States that, you know, people were running short of food and didn't have anything to eat or running short, they couldn't pay their bills and, and that type of thing. So they had to make a choice, pay rent, pay, buy food. So lots of people choose pay rent and keep housing. And so it was started in town here and it's moved around. A number of people from this church are involved, were involved at that time in the start out and other churches in the valley. So it really is, is a food, we do food hampers and we do a lot of full lunch kitchen. At that point it was soup. Through COVID it actually has turned into where we do full, a full meal. And 
all that is, is done from food recovery, either from donations from people in the community or food recovery we get from the different grocery stores here in the Cowgen Valley. And so as an organization, um, that's what we are. I mean, our mission statement that was started by the founders of the group, enduring no individuals or family in the Cowgen Valley goes hungry, either physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And that's pretty diverse, I mean, but one of the things as I've kind of got into my role is I've realized in order for them to even start thinking about the spiritual or the emotional, they have to have something in their stomach. Um, as you're aware or may not be aware, in this valley, the estimates now, there's at least 400 people on the street that, that, are, that are homeless, like just camping and, and diving in different things. Now, you know, we've had a few things open up recently, but really what's opened up so far is really just diverted what was in emergency housing during COVID. Um, but there's a huge need um, for that. So for many of those, and we do about anywhere between 120 to 200. The other day we did 200 meals in a day. That's their only, some of those, that's their only hot meal of the day. Um, and so we help them with that, a nurse. Um, Hampers-wise, um, families and, and individuals come in. And as an organization, um, we really want, I mean, part of my role is, is continuing to develop as we get, serve people with dignity and respect, giving them hampers and, and, and meals too. But we're really working on, you know, there's the working, what I call the working poor, those who are, who are barely making it have to choose rent or food to get those families in. And so we've really been working on improving and, and changing those programs so that's much easier available for them. It, it's good. Yeah. It, it is, and, and I've been involved in, in something like this for many years, and the relationships that you can build as people come in uh, in need is, is pretty great. Uh, Henry, I know that when you first went into this, we talked to you and um, said, hey, what are you going to be doing? And you went in, you know, telling us kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a job description. Now that you're there, Henry, what do you do all day? What do I do all day? <laughs> well, between staff, volunteers, and, and, and our guests, there's lots to keep me busy. Um, currently, I'm really working on just getting, redeveloping or encouraging our program and moving them on as we, as we help people more and better. Um, ideally, as we're looking forward, it's really about relationship. Um, me walking into the dining room and talking to some people. I mean, one of the first people I met there was an older gentleman who, you know, last fall we had the floods in, in the valley here, and he was in West Holm. Two years in a row, he's got flooded. Um, everybody, a lot of the professionals, said he had the, the dementia. And as I got to meet him, he'd be there, you know, in the cold of winter, December 1st is when I started. It was cold. He'd be outside the center, cold, and he was at Warmland sleeping, or still is actually, was sleeping there, and he'd they'd be kicked out at 7 o'clock in the morning, roughly. And they'd have, he'd come over for a little bit of a warm-up and a coffee, and, and it's a built relationship with him. I believe he doesn't have dementia, and, and he's actually a friendly person, and he really wants to help and, and that type of thing. And, and just he, at first, these people said, well, he doesn't talk. Well, he talks locks, actually, once you get to know him and, and encouraging him, right? So, so it's really about relationship at the end of the day. Just, you know, encourage, my role is to encourage others as I lead and, 
And that is not hard sometimes. That's hard sometimes because you're dealing with all kinds of different emotions as they go on. Sometimes you're breaking up fights and arguments and calming people down. The next time you're encouraging somebody because they're struggling, right? Yesterday I had a call or email, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. No idea. Didn't even know who the person was. I phoned her up and she, she wanted to talk about faith. So you never quite know. Be ready anytime. We as a church, I don't know how many of you know, but we as a church, uh, in our missions budget, we support the Basket Society. And, um, and so I think it's, it's fantastic that we get to do that. Now, Henry, I was going to ask you to tell a story, but I think you just combined kind of what you do and telling well, a story. Beat to, to the question. You beat me <laughs> to the question. So, lots uh, of stories. Lots of stories. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I was going to, there's two, two things I wanted to ask you that I didn't say. But no problem. One is, is um, those that come and use the food bank to, to get groceries, uh, it's, it's not just people from off the street. These are, these are people that are, some of them are working poor, we would say. They're working, yeah. but not enough to, to pay the rent and food and everything. And then some are just on fixed incomes. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, two areas that are growing substantially is we work with an organization in town here uh, with helping seniors who actually started pre as COVID came in, they were doing grocery shopping for seniors because the seniors didn't want to go to the grocery store. Now, as COVID has progressed, they're still doing the shopping for seniors, but they've also come to us and they're actually delivering about 15 hampers a month, it might even be more than that now, where they come and pick it up for, for seniors who are just on fixed income, rent's gone up, I mean, and that type of thing. So, you know, and, and you know, so we pre-fill the hamper, we have a shopping list that they can use, and, and, and uh, we pre-fill the hamper, and they can take and deliver that. Um, the others is families. I mean, regularly we get a call from a family, or they come in and say, you know, I have nothing on my counter, right, or nothing to eat. Last week, I had somebody who lost a contract over time and was couldn't pay, had to choose bills or food. And he comes in, and, and we give them enough food generally for about a week. Uh, and they can kind of choose what they want and, and those things. And so it isn't only those who are on the street. It's definitely that working families that are they're struggling and, and seniors and and um, you know that's and and there's no prerequisite like we don't need to know their income or or anything like that they just they, it's them saying hey I need help and we give them help they can come once a month to get a hamper and and we give them that help it's fantastic and I know there's several people in the church that volunteer but you're always looking for volunteers so Definitely. if you want to want to volunteer you can talk to uh, Henry afterwards and yeah. find out how you can get involved that way lots of opportunities yep all right Henry are you ready five questions here's your five questions <laughs> first question what is your favorite color a blue that's easy Ford or Chevy uh, I don't care right I draw I've driven them all <laughs> what is your go-to book in the Bible um, Proverbs. If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Probably Holland, because I've never been there. That's where my family's from, Netherlands. Okay, this is probably the toughest question. If you had to choose between wings to fly and gills to swim, which one would you choose? Wings. Excellent. You can ask him why. <laughs> let, uh, let me pray for you, Henry. Thank you. Lord, thank you for the heart that you have given, Henry. Uh, we have experienced it as a church. We continue to experience it, but he has a heart for people. 
And uh, Lord, thank you for the place that you have placed him in there at the Basket Society. I pray for wisdom to be upon him in the decisions he has to make in leading the people that you have given him, in caring for those who come through the door. Father, I pray that the ministry will continue to abound in what it needs financially with food and with staff. And Father, that with what they are doing, they will be showing your light and your life to those who come through the door. We pray, Lord, for a harvest through this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I'm actually uh, not going to be speaking. Um, I've asked uh, Jason, I went and connected with Jason, who we're going to have up here at some point in time doing the same thing, uh, talking about the Salvation Army that he is involved with. But many of you probably know Jason. He's uh, been on staff here. Uh, he's been in the Valley for quite some time. And, uh, can't get rid of me. Can't get rid of him. Nope. And if you drink our coffee, uh, you buy our beans, he's responsible right here. He's the man who roasts them. So, yeah. I hear applause. Yeah. He'll take that. <laughs> hey, let me, uh, let me pray before you uh, head in. Lord, I thank you for Jason. I thank you for his heart that uh, loves you and loves people. Uh, that comes from you, Lord. We thank you for the message you have given to him. And may we have ears to hear uh, your words that you want us to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Oh, Henry, you've got a great voice. Where are you now? I, I, you know what? Maybe you could read to me sometime. I just, I love hearing your voice. I think it would be soothing. It would be calming. It would be nice. I'd like that. I love Henry. love what he does. And... Uh, you would not regret being a part of what the Basket Society is doing. I am with people every day that are affected and changed because of the work that they do. And, uh, and it's very effective. And uh, you'd want to be a part of that for sure. Well, I want to tell you, I'm going to start with just a story, okay? I want to tell you a story about a young man named John, Okay. Now, I never really thought of John as a young man <laughs> because I was eight at the time that I met John, and he seemed old, maybe a little prematurely bald as well. I think he might have been 30. That's okay. As this stuff disappears, I don't judge, not, not, not at all. But John grew up with his siblings in Northwest Territories and his parents too. And uh, I remember hearing a, a lot of stories from John about his time growing up in, in the north. And he, he told several stories about going outside to start the truck so that the kids could go to school in the morning. But all the tires are flat because, you know, the rims had contracted so much from the cold that they just psh, let all the air out. That's cold. I mean, that's cold. That's, that's nasty cold. But mostly with John, I heard stories about his parents with their giant hearts for people, inviting people from town to come for dinner. I, I remember the stories of, of people coming and staying with them for a day or two or a week. Um, John, ne they never knew who was going to be at dinner each night. There was always someone. And uh, 
that's kind of the world that John grew up in. That's the environment that he grew up in. And as soon as John was old enough, all right, he lived out every dream that I had had, and he became a bush pilot in the north. So if it had skis or pontoons or wheels, he could land it just about anywhere. And so he spent years, a couple years, uh, flying into remote areas, people and their goods in and out of the north. And with captive passengers, he continued what his parents taught him about just sharing about the love of Jesus. And uh, they, they couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but he was the kind of guy that you'd want to be with. And so he just oozed God's love to these people where their eyes became opened to all that God has done for them. Well, John married Karen and they had a daughter and they moved into BC and uh, John continued to have opportunities every day to share his faith and to tell other people about what Jesus meant to him. And uh, an opportunity came one day for John to have a conversation with a neighbor. And this neighbor, his, his name was Rob. And, uh, and, and Rob was a bit of a tough nut to crack, so to speak. He grew up in a house of faith. So his, his parents brought him to church, brought him to Sunday school. But he never, never really got engaged. When he became an adult, he never wanted to, to be engaged in faith of any sort. He didn't want to have anything to do with the church. And so he, he pushed that away. And, and instead of... Instead of those things, he replaced them. He tried finding other things to fill the void in his life, alcohol and uh, partying. And for some reason, John was attracted to this guy, Rob. He knew that Rob needed to hear, hear more about Jesus and, and uh, needed to experience Jesus. And, and so John didn't want to like confront him about his addictions. He didn't want to like wag his finger at him. But, but John want, wanted to love him and uh, love him through it all. So, so John would invite Rob to go for a jog together in the morning or, or to meet for breakfast at Smitty's. That sounds like a, a Smitty's. That's a, something from the 70s, right? Smitty's. It's true. Or they would go for a bike ride on their bicycles, their 10-speeds. Um, and then they, they began to even have barbecues together with their families. They would get together. They became friends. And so, and so when God showed up in a supernatural way in Rob's life, his eyes, his eyes were opened to the reality that God is love. Rob knew that God's love was for him. And it was in that moment where, where God removed those addictions supernaturally from Rob. He removed the, the, the addiction to alcohol, to cigarettes, to other addictive behaviors. He supernaturally removed it from his life. Rob never again had a craving for a cigarette or alcohol. It did touch his lips once. He was trying to share with a friend about Jesus, 
And, and his friend was curious about what was different. And his friend slid a beer across the, the counter to him. And so he thought, I, I, I don't want to be rude. And he just put it to his lips. And Rob said, I had to spit it out. I was physically incapable of swallowing. It was like poison in my mouth. I knew I would die. And he spat it out. Well, Rob later told John about what happened. And and John said that God must have known that he was weak. (laughs) God must have known that you didn't have the strength. In you, God must have known that you couldn't do it on your own to change. And so God became the strength that Rob needed to be renewed and changed for God's glory. Rob is, is now 78 years old, and he still tears up. He's soft. Ever more softened, decade after decade vulnerable and humble when he recounts all that God has done for him. And to this day, he hasn't turned back to his life of sin. He, he hasn't turned back to that separation, to that distance from God. And he's been on a long journey of loving God and loving others. How do I know? Rob's my dad. And so, okay, I told myself I wasn't going to cry about it. But I mean, I've been crying all morning. Megan, your, your leading is just so passionate. And there's nothing like, like singing through dried, crusty tears in your face. Um, thank you for leading us today. But Rob's my dad. And so there's so much more to say about the ministry of John. And, and John... Uh, is special. He invested in my dad and he demonstrated in the flesh that God is love. He has had a profound impact on my life for those years. It was 43 years since they met. And it's going to last into eternity. Well, John is, is an important name today because we're actually going to read from the Apostle John. We're, we're looking again into 1 John, and we, uh, we're in chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. 1 John 4, and we're going to begin reading at verse 7. Father, open our eyes to what you want us to hear and see, learn today. May our eyes not be diverted from what it is that you're doing. May our hearts not be distracted. May we be so attentive to how you are at work in us and around us and through us. Amen. So, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. 
for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the, on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God today. We're not going to get deep into all of that. But we are going to talk about God's love. Okay? It is a relentless love. Relentlessly, he is pursuing us. So when we read in verse 8, God is love. Love's integral to God's nature. We, we cannot know love without knowing God. We, we can't know God without loving. So um, Jesus was, was entering Jerusalem, and, uh, and Jesus, I thought this was turned this way. Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like I was starting a, like a dirt bike. I did this. Um, Jesus was entering Jerusalem on a donkey, and uh, he, he then went to the temple, and he began to teach. And uh, the leaders were not very happy that he was doing this. And so they sent somebody to trick him, to try and trap him. And so they said, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And they thought they could trap him and, you know, that he might, might say one thing when it's really something else. Or he might say something incriminating about, about himself, against himself. Well, Jesus replied to them, 
You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, when, when, um, when Henry was asked Ford or Chevy, he didn't answer Ford or Chevy. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important? He said, this and this. He never answered exactly what people were, were asking. He gave them more. He gave them a greater depth, a greater breadth. And so we are hearing here in Matthew 22, to love God, to love others. It's a, it's a motto that many people live by, right? The reason love is integral to God's nature from all eternity is that from all eternity, from all time, we have seen the perfect image of the Father himself in the person of the Christ, in the in the person of our Lord, the Son of God. He has loved his Son with all of his energy, with all the energy that lies within him. Simply put, God is love because the relationship between God the Father and God the Son is a relationship of love. The Son of God wasn't created. We read in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. The son that has always been, the father who has always been, love each other eternally, perfectly. That's God's love poured out in us. The mystery of God's nature is that there is God the Father and God the Son from all of eternity. The relationship between them has existed for all, throughout all eternity, and that's who God is. John Piper, a preacher, theologian, writer extraordinary, he, he, he puts it like this. This relationship is love, and this love carries the perfections of the Father and the Son so fully that it too is God. God the Holy Spirit. God the Father and God the Son have always had an infinite spirit between them. God the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when we read God is love, that love is as much a part of God's nature as the Holy Spirit is a part of God's nature. When I read that from John Piper, I thought, I can't say that any other way. I'm just going to read that. Now, that was thick. And, and it sounds like we're using three words over and over again, right? And what order they come in can really affect how we, what we, how we hear it. Stick with me, okay? See, God loved you first. God loved us first. This is real love. Not that, that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. He loved us. Friends, it's very possible 
that one or more of you here might be asking yourself right now this morning. I wonder if God could choose to love me. Yeah, listen. If you've asked that question, if you've asked that question, then you're already demonstrating the answer. Asking that question reveals that you indeed have a hungering after God. And and therefore, there is a palpable presence of the Holy Spirit in your life right now. And so if you're asking that question, keep asking, keep digging, keep discovering, keep learning. There are people around that want to love you and that want to answer some of those questions. Come and talk to me after. What about the cost? You know, when, when we love other people, there, there's a cost involved in that. It, it's one thing to, 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 to love ethereally. You know, it, it's some idea about love. Maybe that doesn't cost us anything, right? Um, but, but what does it actually cost us to love? What will it cost me? What will it cost to love God and love others the way that John is calling us to here in chapter four. Well, what if we go back? Even in the, in the chapter before, uh, Scott didn't get here because, I don't know, is Scott still in here? Because I, I could blame it on him, like I could blame it on somebody else just as easily too. But the, the verse from chapter three, it's 1 John 3.16. You, you remember John 3.16? 1 John 3.16 is epic as well, okay? So use both of those John 3.16s in your quiver, all right? Get those there. First John 3.16, we know what real love is. Why? Because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. What is it going to cost me? Everything. I mean, a life in Christ, a life of service, a life uh, where, where we've chosen him and he's cho- it's going to cost us everything. What did it cost my dad's friend, John? Well, for starters, he didn't like jogging and he hated getting up early. It cost him that. I know that for sure. But I know that, uh, that he knew that my dad would get up for that 6 a.m. He would show up for those things, right? I, uh, in the work that I do, I, I meet with all kinds of people, all kinds of people. Um, and uh, some of the, the clients that I meet with um, are very needy. And uh, I want to talk about the cost of some of the, that it cost me in some of these. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, I was walking up my front step to my house, and uh, I didn't even have to get my key out because I just go beep, 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 you know, and, and open the door. And I hear, hey, Jason. And I turn around, and it's one of my clients, a young guy that, uh, that I really like. 
but he knows where I live now. Am I willing? No, like, I, I'm serious. Like, I, that was my thought. I'm like, that's not a good thought for me to have. That's, that's a cost, right? That's a cost. That's one little thing. Another thing, um, in, in 2001, when the houses were being built on my street, the, the developer built a couple benches out of concrete and rebar. He's like, I don't want to build these so strong they'll be here in 100 years. So far, so fine. They're still there, okay? And, and so there's, there's one bench down the street and one bench up the street, and I've sat on them, I've enjoyed them, I've had conversations and, and met with people on them. It's great. But about three, maybe four weeks ago, I was heading here early one Sunday morning to come and work in the coffee bar, and there was somebody that obviously spent the night on that bench. And... My attitude, even though, uh, you know, I work with people that are in those similar situations, I'm like, not in my neighborhood. So I, I, I indicted myself that day. Another time I was, I was working in my backyard, shoveling or something, and suddenly somebody's coming down the steps beside my house. I've got, you know, concrete steps beside the house. And, and he's coming down, I'm like... <gasps> I know him, and I knew his name, and I said, hey, and he said, hey, Jason, I didn't know you lived here. I'm like, yeah, no, you do. Um, he, was, he was just looking for bottles and cans, right? And I don't know why he was coming down my, my sidewalk. Um, we had a little conversation, and, and off he went. What's it going to cost? What, are, are you going to, th that is sacrificing my comfort, my home, my, the place that I, am, I know that I'm safe I, am I willing to give all of that up? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But am I willing to sacrifice some of that so that I can love others that are now in my neighborhood? See, I'm, I'm fine with being confronted by the needs in our community. I'm fine with, with trying to understand the, the depths of, of the hurt that, that is causing people who are addicted to substances how they're trying to survive and medicate to, to deal with their pain. I, I'm, I, I can understand those things because it's my job. And so, if, you know, any weekday, nine to five, I'm okay facing those things. <laughs> but outside of that, am I? Is God calling me to share more of myself? Am I okay with a ministry that goes beyond, you know, my nine to five. Well, we're going to finish up here. And uh, I, I just want to give you five, kind of the big five. The big five ways to love God and love others. I'm going to read through these. I want to kind of give you some ideas from these. This is just some practical things that you could take with you. If you're right, taking notes, write these down. We, we need to show God's love by listening. In, in today's culture, voices are everywhere. And so we need to commit to slow down. We need to, you know, put the phone down. We need to just ask questions and really listen to people. Listen to understand. Are you the kind of person that sometimes is listening to find your next response? You know, or, or what you're going to say next? 
that can take you out of the moment and out of the conversation and out of really connecting with the individual. I, I, I can do that. And if I've done it with you, sorry, <laughs> I'm trying, all right? Um, allow people to speak their mind without interruption, without judgment. People will, sh- will know that they're valued when they're heard and they're understood, all right? Second, show God's love with generosity. Can you think of a time in your life when somebody showed you amazing generosity? You might look back on that now and still think, wow, I can't believe that happened to me. When, when we love somebody, we want, them, we want to give to them, right? The loving characteristic of giving, that comes from God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved that he gave right? So God's loving and giving. How can we love and give for generosity? Of course, our, our first thought about generosity is money, right? We, we always think about that. And that's a, that's a big part of what generosity is, what we're talking about there. However, generosity is about so much more, your time, your talents, your voice. This week in uh, Salvation Army and Family Services, I had a, a, a couple uh, or a guy phoned me on the, on the phone and he said, yeah, we're, we're trying to help this lady who's, uh, who's needing to get housing. And we're trying to find household goods. We're trying to find some furniture. You know, we need, her, need to get her some food. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, just come on down. It was like a slow day. I'm like, come on in. <laughs> I'm ready. And, and so they brought her in. And I, I knew her. She's been living in her car for a year. 72 years old. Um, and so I knew, okay, here's what we can do today. Let's get her some dishes. Let's get some of the, the basics. And, and we went onto the website, onto uh, New Life website, and we went to Needs and Extras, and we got her registered there because she's going to need some furniture. And we don't have a lot of furniture in our, our small store, so, so we, we often share what we have with, with New Life and back and forth. And, and so... Awesome. And I said, and tomorrow, come and see me tomorrow, and, and we'll do a food hamper for you tomorrow. Otherwise, you're going to have too much to carry. She's like, yeah, I get it. And uh, she came the next day. And she said, oh, I'm so glad that you got me to register for that thing with, uh, with needs and extras, because the lady, she called me already, and uh, I'm already on the list, and I'm so excited about that. So way to go, new life. Like, thank you. I know there's many people that serve in that ministry you might not think much of it. It takes up a big amount of space out here, those containers that are here. But if you have, if you have furniture, large items that, that you don't need anymore but have a useful life, bring them in. Bring them in. You can, you can register for that on the website as well. Okay? All right. Next, show God's love by encouraging. Now, I'm an encouraging person. I like to encourage people. So if you're around me, you've probably been encouraged in some way, shape, or form. But everybody we meet is carrying some kind of burden. Some people just don't show it as much as others. Okay? Just because somebody carries it well doesn't mean it's not heavy. How can you help shoulder the burden that somebody else is carrying? Because the person that you're going to have a conversation with after the service is over, and it will be over eventually, um, uh, the person you're going to have, a, they, they have a burden. 
maybe God can get you together to help each other. Show God's love with acts of kindness. Showing kindness means thinking about that other person purposefully. You know, what are their needs? What, how can I make their lives better? It doesn't have to be huge, but it should be thoughtful, okay? Um, practice being others-focused. Show God's love through acts of kindness. And finally, show God's love by praying for others. Pray for people, yeah. The, the times that God, by his spirit, shows up in my counseling room, and I have no, nothing else, I've got nothing to say, I've got no wisdom, I've got no help. All I have is, can I pray for you? That gives so much room for God by his spirit to show up and use me in ways that I never thought he could. And how many people have, have received that saying, I've never been prayed for like that. I have never felt that way. And maybe it's easier for me because they're coming to my room and they know that that's, you know, these are the things that might happen. But man, when I thought, okay, I can do this outside of the office too. It works there too. It does. Well, I'm going to pray for us now, and I'm going to invite Megan and the team to come on up. And in just a moment, the communion will be ready on the side over here. If you want to come and partake, you can do that. But this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Father, break our hearts with the things that break yours. May we be recipients of this love that is this glorious interchange between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that same love that is poured upon us. God, may we love others with the love that's been given us. In Jesus' name, amen.